Crossroads Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We are live in the studio. It's Spencer and I here. Oh, no, I think I'm supposed to say me. Yep, it's me. Darn it. What? Incorrect grammar. Oh, oh, right, right, right. It's okay, though. Anyways, you're live with us. (laughs) Here we are. You're live with Ray and me. That feels weird. It feels like I should say Ray and I. No, that's, it's me there. Oh, okay. That's, like, You're live with me. Yeah. Because whatever... You're putting your name in, like Spencer right. and me. If I were to take your name out, it has to still make sense. Right. So you're yeah, live with like, me. Hey, you're here with I. That doesn't really work exactly. out. Hey, you're here with me in the studio. Grammar. Grammar. We'll figure it out. This is becoming the the grammar <laughs> podcast. It really is. Yeah, we're just gonna school school you a little bit on grammar every time you listen in. It's gonna Adjectives, be nouns, <laughs> yeah. hyperboles. Yeah, all the all the different is buzzwords. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, hey, we're so glad. That you joined us. It's been a little while since we've had a podcast together. It has um, been. Two weeks ago, uh, Ray and I were trapped on a river and Hunter Berkey gave his testimony. Yes. And we were so sad to miss that. And we're sad that we weren't able to stream that to you guys. So what we did was we filmed him telling his story. And so we want you to check that out. It is so worth it. It's on our YouTube channel. All you have to do is go to Crossroads Youth Ministry YouTube and it'll be right there. We're going to link to that later on this week too on our Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Worth a listen. Impactful story. Really cool for Hunter to be willing to share that. And um, need to hear the way that God has impacted his life and, and changed his story. I hope that's true of you too. I hope that all of these testimonies have kind of prompted you to think about the way that God's working out um, his goodness, his grace in your story and, and changing your life as a result. Yeah, speaking of, you gave the talk this week. Um, it had a really cool illustration of how we all have this light and what are we doing with that light? Are we hiding it? Are we taking that out to the world? Are we kind of like sometimes showing our light, sometimes not showing our light? Um, yeah. Or are we lighting stuff on fire in the yeah. sanctuary? Or are we doing that? Yeah, could have, <laughs> may or may not have happened. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Big thanks to uh, Mike Beach and his hands of steel for putting that out. Yes. Uh, more about that some other time. Um, but yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about that light. We also talked about just how to, how to follow the Lord in those times between big faith moments. You know, I remember thinking about being at summer camp and having that real strong connection with the Lord and the way that that sort of fades in the time between camp sessions. And so just talked about that and I hope it's a blessing to you. Um, we're just going to play that now and we'll be back at the end. Yep. Here's Spencer's talk from last Sunday night. All right. <clears throat> how you guys doing? You're going to get a candle. Our, our buddies are coming around with a candle. Let me just ask you a favor as you get it. Um, they, all, they all should have a wick on them, but they won't if you pull it off, so don't, all right? <laughs> so maybe just get your candle and kind of put it down, and we'll get to those in a moment. We'll get to those in a moment. Yes, those are the Christmas candles. It's not Christmas. I understand that, but I have a good, good thought in mind. Hey, so how many of you were here two Sunday nights ago at Crossroads? Hands, hands, hands. Two Sunday nights ago. Okay, okay, a few of you. So you may or may not have realized, probably did, Ray and I didn't make it to Crossroads two Sundays ago, and that was not the plan. As a matter of fact, both Amanda and Jen didn't make it either, and uh, I want to tell what had happened was we were out on this canoe trip in West Virginia. If you've never been to West Virginia, it's been described as almost heaven, and I would agree. Great place. But we were out on the river, Smoke Hole Canyon, it's called. It was awesome. No cell phone service. We're having a great time. People were getting wet, but nothing crazy. Uh, Everything was going well. We were supposed to get a quarter of an inch of rain on Saturday night. 
And what we got was three inches of rain on Saturday night. And I don't know if you know if you're much of a weather guy, but three inches of rain is, um, is scientifically called a lot. So we got a whole lot of rain. And the, the kind of the cool thing slash not so cool thing about a river is that it takes a while for it to realize this has happened. And so <laughs> we are kind of getting our boats packed up. We tore our camp down. We're getting ready to leave. And the river is rising slowly. And we're like, eh, no big deal. And then the river turns like chocolate milk brown. We're like, ooh, that's not great. And then uh, there are like sticks and leaves. And we're like, hmm. And then we have to pull our boats further back up the bank because it's still rising. And you're like, interesting. And then, there's, uh, then there goes a barrel down the river. It's like, oh no, where did the barrel come from? And then a tree comes down the river. And at that point, we're like, should we get on the river? This seems like a very bad idea. But we decided, hey, we got to get back to Crossroads. We don't want to miss you guys. Um, and, and people have jobs on Monday. We got to get back. So we, we said, all right, we're going to go for the first rapid, see how it goes. Did not go well. We end up split on either side of the river for approximately two hours. Not so great. We got everybody reunited. And then we say, all right, at this point, we know we should camp, but let's go ahead and try another <laughs> rapid. So we do, and uh, it goes okay. And then this phenomenon happens where when the river goes up, the banks disappear. And so when you try to get off of the river, you're trying to get off the river into the woods. And if you're going like 20 miles an hour in a canoe, you can't get off the river. <laughs> you're stuck. So up ahead of us is this big dam that we need to not go over. Uh, Amanda and I are in a boat together. And I'm like, all right, Amanda, we're just going to watch out for this dam. We're going to try to get off. We try to get off. Not going to happen. Okay, okay, well, hey, that's fine. We'll just go up a little further while it slows down. We'll try to get off. Can't get off. There's the dam. Yeah, we hit the dam. Amanda and I become a submarine. Jen and Ray somehow power through this thing. No water in their boat. Uh, two of our other friends, uh, Minnick and a buddy, power through. No water in their boat. But when Jen and Ray try to pull off, they get grabbed by the river. They can't get stopped. They get flushed through this set of trees. Very scary situation. Pretty dangerous situation. I see Jen pop out of the other side, but I don't see Ray emerge. I'm like, oh no. Like, she's under that thing. Like, how am I going to explain to Cheyenne McDowell that Ray is dead? Like, that's one of the first things that goes through my head. But Ray was not dead. Don't worry. She's on the other side of the boat where I can't see her, holding onto a tree horizontal in the river with her feet, like, flapping. So I go up. I have my rope. And I, and I, I kind of didn't know what to do. I didn't want to throw If I throw it wrong, I mean, that's it. So I'm, like, trying to decide. Ray's making eye contact with me. She goes, do something. And so I, I throw it. We get her back. Everything was fine. Scary situation. However, it was a situation that put my whole life in perspective. Put my whole life in perspective. You may have heard the story of the bike trip. How many, how many of you guys have heard the story of the high school bike trip? Yeah, pretty epic situation on the bike trip as well, but we'll never forget the bike trip. Legendary situation that glued us together as friends. I think if Ray and I so far seem to have stayed friends, 
even after this situation. So we're probably glued together. Amanda and I stayed friends. We're, we're glued together for life. We're going to be buds, you know. These moments are really significant. And a moment like the high school or like the junior high Kalahari trip or the high school Kalahari trip that's coming up, those are those moments. And now hopefully nothing super bad goes down. But on the junior high trip, Austin knocked his head into somebody else and he's bleeding all over his face. I'm like, oh, here we go. Every trip we go on, somebody almost dies. But he was fine. Nothing, no, not a crazy amount of blood or anything. But those moments are significant. They glue us together. One time we just slept at the church and Lauren Shrift and, and Drew Pulesky slammed into each other around a corner and, and Lauren drilled her teeth into the top of Drew's head and he had to go get it stapled back shut. I mean, these things just happen and we're helping Lauren peel Drew's hair out of her braces. It was disgusting. And Anyway, those moments, they kind of glue us together, right? And I think one of the hard things about this season has been that, that those moments seem to be few and far between a little bit. Would you agree? We, we haven't had as many opportunities to make those memories, to have those moments that kind of glue us together. And I think it's, it's done a few things. One, it's made us recognize and remember how special those moments are together. This, while Sunday night is special, that time of being away together for two or three nights, super special. Those memories where things don't go well, where we find a dead body on the bike trip that wasn't super dead, just something was wrong. Uh, but that I'll never forget Jamie Augustine being like, dead body, just kept on riding her bike. <laughs> kept on riding her bike. Never forget. Those moments glue us together. And I think sometimes in the Christian world, you may have heard them described sort of as mountaintop moments where, where you have made the summit, everything is great, and you have, have had a connection with the Lord that is special and significant, that's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of hard to explain to somebody else. And I remember having that feeling when I'd come home from summer's best two weeks in the summer. I know many of you have had that experience coming home from Pine Springs camp in the summer. You, you want to tell your family all about all the things that you did. There's the huge list. You're like, oh, you just had to be there. Yeah, I can't explain. It was so good. And I made this friend. Her name was... Robin, or I don't know, and she did this thing, and, and, then, and then she fell off the dock, and you tell all these crazy stories, but you had to be there, and it was just so special, and you were on fire to pursue the Lord. You want to be in relationship with Jesus, and you're going to follow that. It's going to last me the, that's going to last me the whole year. I'm on the mountaintop. I'm going to follow Jesus for the whole year. And then it's like August 1st, and you're like, well, camp was two weeks ago. I, I, can't, be, I can't be reading my Bible every day. You know, and, and things, kind of, things kind of start to taper off, and, and we sort of start heading off the mountain a little bit, down into the valley, and, and, and we hopefully we have that kind of next mountaintop experience. But, you know, I think that the Christian life is not meant to be lived on a mountaintop. And in fact, we, a couple talks ago, talked about staying on the summit at Seneca Rocks. It's not a place to hang out. It's a place to go place to experience, a place to remember, but not a place to live. It's not reality to live up there. And it's not reality to live with the same people at Summer's Best Two Weeks for Two Weeks or the same people at Pine Springs for six days, seven days. It's not reality. Those people have to go home. You have to go home. That stuff comes to an end. So what does it look like to follow the Lord, to have a passion for being in relationship with Jesus outside of those mountaintop experiences? That's been the hardest thing for me this year. I don't know about you, but I have kind of felt like I'm in the desert a little bit. Um, things have been just kind of dry. And, and, and have I been reading the Bible? Absolutely. Have I been seeking out time with the Lord? Absolutely. I've been in a Bible study, been, been trying to find that. But, but my desire has not naturally been to do that. And that has made me feel like there's something wrong with me. Do you ever feel that? Like people say read the Bible if you love the Lord, but I don't want to. People say 
go to church if you love the Lord, but I think it's boring. People say, get into Bible study, but I don't know, that one super early in the morning and the other one doesn't happen sometimes, and I don't, I just, you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with you, I think that's normal, but I wanna get at that. How do we pursue the Lord when we're in a moment where we don't super want to, don't super feel motivated to? Before I say that too, I wanna just remind us and, and just mention how grateful we are to have heard the story of the way that people have come to know the Lord, and so grateful that Hunter shared that, and if you missed Hunter, sharing his testimony. It's live on YouTube at seven o'clock, so a half an hour ago. So you can check it out when we leave here and hear Hunter's story of coming to know Jesus. But as we continue down this road, I'm sure everybody who shared with you would agree that they've had an experience of kind of going through the desert. When I have felt like that, I came up with kind of four things, four ways that I want to try to get at that. First one, I wanna turn to the truth that's laid out in God's word. And tonight I wanna do that from Psalm 139. I love the Psalms because I'm kind of a musical guy. I I like the poetry of it. I love the way that he describes the Lord. I love in the Psalms, you can hear David say like, God, I'm crying out to you, where are you? He's like talking like a normal person. And that's so encouraging to hear that David is going through a lot of the same stuff that I am going through in the Psalms, and, and so this is a, a, a Psalm where he's just encouraging. So I wanna read verses, start with verses uh, one through seven, and then I'll read another chunk. It says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Did you get that? He knows you. He knows when you sit, he knows when you stand, he knows what you think, he knows what you say. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. Hemmed in, God all around, behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So God doesn't just dwell at Windy Ridge. God doesn't just dwell in Unit 1005 at the Kalahari. God doesn't just dwell in Cabin 12 or Cabin 13. God dwells in your bedroom, in your bathroom, in your kitchen, at your school, on your sports team, in the locker room, in the field house, wherever you go. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up high, you're there. If I go down low, you're there. If I go to the left, you're there. If I go to the right, you're there. If I'm in the water, if I'm on the hill, if I'm in the woods, you're there. God is present, and yet sometimes it sure feels like he isn't, right? That's why we turn to his word, because it reminds us of the truth. What a depressing life it would be if C.J. Beery was responsible for determining what is true and what is false in the world. If C.J. could just say, like, um, all girls have to wear sombreros. You know what I mean? Like if CJ had the power to determine what's right and what's wrong, that's not a good world. CJ's not a perfect person, right? But God is perfection and has ordered the world and goes before you and behind you and created you and knows what you're going to do. He is everywhere and he is trustworthy and we've got to be reminded of that. And how will we be reminded of that? In his word. And if we don't know him, then we ought to learn about him in his word. And if we don't have a desire to be in his word, we ought to just get into his word. That's been my lesson during this COVID season. When I don't want to, I need to. 
When I don't want to, I should. When I don't have time to, I make time to. Because I'm always challenged. I'm always encouraged by the truth laid out in God's word. A couple things I want to say about it for you. If you open this up and you're confused by it, that makes a lot of sense. This is a book that applies to you when you're two years old and to you when you're 102 years old. So it's full of depth and worth talking to somebody about. Worth getting a devotional to help you process through it. Worth reading it in different versions. Try the message version. See if that makes more sense to you. Compare it side by side with the Bible. Dig into the truths. Learn it and know it because it reveals who God is and his incredible plan for you. Second thing I want to challenge you to do in times of dryness, desert moments, engage with God in prayer. That's a challenge for me. I am professional, weapons grade level ADHD person. I go from thing to thing to thing. Ray and I were talking today as we were setting up the stage that we'll set up one of these trusses and then we'll go to the back and we'll put some slides in and then we'll come back up here and we'll put a guitar out and then we'll go over there and we'll make sure that, that the, the table's pushed over. We just, we just buzz around. That is how my prayer life works. I'll be like, God, thank you for the burrito I had last night. Oh, I forgot to feed the dog. And then it's like, oh, and Lord, thank you for the fact that... Um, that I, get, uh, I had an opportunity to survive the canoe trip. Oh, I, I have to get to work. You know, and that is my prayer life. And that's not, <laughs> that's not good. I don't know if that's your situation, but one of the things that has helped me so much is getting a journal and writing down whether I make a list, Lord, I'm thankful for. God, I wanna pray for. God, I'm concerned about. Lord, I'm worried for. I'm worried about. Or just say like, dear God, thank you for this opportunity. So, sometimes people just write them Write them out word for word. Whatever works for you that can kind of hone your mind in. And the beauty of prayer is, is twofold. One, get to think about where you're at, what you're going through, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. What a good thing to know when you walk into the day. I'm feeling sad, and here is why. That's helpful information. But two, you don't just walk out of your bedroom being like, yes, I'm sad because we ran out of cinnamon Pop-Tarts, which is the best flavor, by the way. Uh, I'm sad and... I gave that to the Lord and am trusting that he can do something about it. Not only are you evaluating and processing yourself, but you're giving it to the Lord, the one who is capable of doing something about it. The one who wants to be involved in your situation. Prayer is a worthy exercise. Three, I don't know about you, but even now, I've been doing this for a while, and even now I have a lot of questions about faith, about Christianity, about things. Predestination, a lot of questions. Abortion, a lot of questions. All these controversial things. I think God is okay with you asking him your questions. I think God is okay with you asking him your doubts and your fears. I think that God would prefer you ask those questions to somebody who is, is wise, somebody who can answer those, rather than burying them down deep and allowing them to kind of rot the foundation of your faith. It's sort of like if your house is made of wood, allowing your first floor to be halfway full of water. Eventually, that will rot the wood away in the first floor and the house will crumble, right? Drain off the water, ask the questions, get an answer to the things you don't understand, the things that are making you doubt your faith. Let's get at that. I wanna try to help you answer that. I wanna try to walk that through with you. That is not something to just let sit in your basement because it will do some damage. Now, water damage is reversible, right? Water damage is reversible, but it's expensive and painful and not something we want to do if we don't have to. Let's get at those questions, and I think God is big enough to handle it. And I think God is big enough to handle it when you're upset at him, when you're frustrated, and when you're angry. And then finally, this is where I want to go with your candle. 
Seek fellowship with one another, with believers who can build you up. That's why I'm so glad you're here. That's why I'm so glad that as you look around at the people seated beside you, you might recognize some people that you sit beside in school as well, or that you walk the halls with at school as well. This community of believers are people who've come to, claimed to know Jesus, who've, who've expressed a desire to be in relationship with Jesus, and they go to school with you, the hardest place to follow the Lord. They're there too, and they can be a support to you and an encouragement. So what I want to do now is kind of give you a visual demonstration of that. We did this on the junior high trip. I want to give you a visual demonstration of it. Matthew chapter 5. We used to read this when we went into a cave. Any of you guys ever been in a cave? Yeah. Have you had that experience of all the lights going out in the cave and you truly can't see your hand in front of your face? Let's kill all the lights. It's not going to be that dark, okay? It's starting. We got some daylight savings time action going on out here. But it's not going to be that dark. We'll kill these guys too. Um, but in the darkness, in the darkness, not all that dark in here, I know. In the darkness, it can feel awfully confusing, awfully alone. One of my favorite stories about Ray Jet was she would take the garbage out to the dumpster at, at her old apartment, and there was uh, like any sort of creature or shape. She would just throw the garbage at it and run away because it was dark and she didn't know what it was. It would be like a squirrel or, you know, like the neighbor's car, you know what I mean? Like, like the dark is a scary thing and it's okay if you're afraid of the dark, right? One of the wonderful truths that we get to hear in, in, in Scripture is in Matthew chapter 5. And this is what we would read in the cave and this is what I want to encourage you. When I talk about a fellowship of believers, a community of believers, there's incredible power in a community of believers. And in Matthew 5... We get a picture of that. I'm going to read it by my candle. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And the light over here, and we'll start passing this light around. Uh, dudes, please resist the urge to fill your hand with wax. Thank you. So, in this not entirely dark sanctuary, I want you to just notice the impact that a teeny little candlelight has on this space. If it doesn't add a huge amount of light to this room, look at the amount of light it adds to a person's face. Look at the, the way we can see one another and identify one another. The way that it identifies somebody who is in the same situation as you are. Holding a light, Proclaiming a faith in Jesus, deciding and desiring to live for Him. There you go. You can, yes. I'm going to read Matthew 5 again as our lights pass around. You are the light of the world. I'll wait till we're all lit up. So we're all lit up. Hey, as we light up, just pay attention. Look at the people beside you. Look at the, just the, the warmth, the glow on each other's faces. How comforting it is to light up a dark place. How encouraging it is to know who you're talking to, to see their face, to know them well, and to share in that light together. There's power in numbers when we are all lit up. <clears throat> 
And in Matthew chapter 5, it gives us a taste. So now pay attention with me. I want you to hear this scripture. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. Praise your Father in heaven. Look, I was reading in Colossians 3 today about the supremacy of Jesus. Big word, supremacy. The point of Colossians chapter 3 is that it's just Jesus. It's not Jesus plus you have to live in the United States. It's not Jesus plus you have to be a good person. It's not Jesus plus you can't have committed any felonies. No, it's just Jesus. And so when it talks about that people might see your light and see your good deeds, your good deeds are not how you earn your way into heaven. Your good deeds are a response to what the Heavenly Father has done for you in sending His Son, Jesus. Displaying your light so that other people can see it is a response to what Jesus has done for you. That your light has been lit. Your life has been brightened. And it would be crazy if you kept that to yourself. It would be crazy if you didn't hold that up and share it with somebody. And so my encouragement to you as we wrap this up, as we talk about going from mountaintop to mountaintop, and as those mountaintops feel far away right now, and as you may feel like you're kind of in that spiritual desert, I want you to do that journey with somebody, with a fellow believer, with somebody who knows the Lord, with somebody else who's got a light. And every now and then, we've got to put a hand around our light. Anybody ever have a candle lit outside? The wind's blowing, you have to kind of protect it. Sometimes there's a, a wind trying to blow out our candle. There's some adversity against us. And what if you just had a buddy there with you, guarding against that, keeping your light lit, sharing in that journey together? What a comfort, what a joy. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll blow our candles out. But of course, you know, that this, thanks Casey. This is a this is just a picture, right? A picture of what we want you to see when you're at school. I'm not alone in choosing to follow Jesus. I'm doing this with my friends. I'm doing this with people beside me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just allow us confidence to do these things. That in those in between moments when we're not on a river trip, having our world rocked, and when we're not on the Windy Ridge trip having an impromptu dance party and we're not at the Kalahari banging our head into somebody else's head, when we're not opening your word together with friends, Lord, you're still present. Whether we go up high or we go down low, whether we go left or right, whether we're in our bedroom or we're on the Windy Ridge couch, God, you're present with us. You're present in our friends. Lord, I pray that this light that we hold now might be one that we'd be anxious to share, quick to share. Lord, that it would be an encouragement, something to lead us through those times of feeling alone, those times of walking away from a, a really clear encounter with you, that you would sustain us, that you'd remind us of your presence, that you'd fill us up with a desire to get into your word and understanding for it. We might know more and more about who you are, that we might be quick to go to you in prayer with our worries and our concerns, our praises, our, our, our requests, or that we might trust you with our questions as we have doubts. We have fears and frustrations that we bring them to you. We drain the water out of our basement, not let it go to work, rotting away our foundation, Lord, but that you keep us strong. 
Lord, we love you and we trust you. Thank you. Thank you for the many folks here in this room who have chosen to follow you. I pray that if anyone hasn't, that, that tonight they might be challenged to ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Seek somebody out to get an answer to that question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time together tonight. We pray it in Jesus' name. What a great word from Spencer just about how life is not always these high highs and, and low lows, but a lot of our life is lived on the in-between and how, how do we follow God in the midst of walking in between? Spencer, just loved what you said there. Uh, funny story, actually, my mom hadn't heard the canoe story yet and oh, so no. got a call as you were finishing up. She said, Dang. you almost died. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> so, that she had to find out that way. Barb. Sorry. Well, Sorry maybe this is a moment where we were, we're working on communication all together. True. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Although I get it. I get it. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be quick to tell my mom that story either. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, if you want to sign up for our, oh, not junior high, senior high Kalahari trip, that is yes. coming up in two weekends, and we've got Can't four wait. spots left, and it's going to be awesome. If you were at Crossroads last week, you saw the video of our junior high kids there, and so yep. you could kind of see it's going to be an awesome time. Yeah, it's super fun, and it's just fun to like be together. We rent this like sweet little house, and we're just all together hanging out and staying yeah. up late. And it felt a lot like the old times. It did. So yes, that is it exciting. Did. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. So yeah, hey, if you're not on that list and you want to be, we would love to to get you on there. Hey, also just want to mention if if uh, financially that's a difficult thing for you, if you're reluctant to sign up because it's expensive, that should be never. That never should be the reason why you don't right. join us on a trip. So we would love to take care of that make that more accessible to you. Just say the word and we'll, we'll, would love to step in and do that. So, Hey, can't wait for that trip. Can't wait to, uh, to see, you know, we only have two crossroads, two regular Sunday night crossroads left this year. That's crazy. It's coming to an end quickly. So we really hope to see you all in the next two coming up here. And, um, we'll be sending off our seniors at the end of May, the last crossroads at the end of May. So really hope that you can join us for that and wish our seniors well. And as we reflect on what's been one of the hardest years of, of ministry yeah. that we've had together, just the bright spots, the way that God is kind of working it out for his purposes and for his glory and just celebrate the way that he's brought us together, even in the midst of some hard stuff this year. So, hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're still with us, we, uh, <laughs> sh uh, we, we sure do and super duper appreciate um, your willingness to tune in and to listen. Hope you'll check out Hunter Berkey and we'll see you at Crossroads next Sunday night. See you next Sunday.